Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, June 26th. Give others credit where possible in the anecdotes you tell. Not only will they appreciate the inclusion, but your generosity will loosen the grip of your ego on yourself. Ego is the hidden cause behind all human suffering. In his usual style, three sentences, Swamiji takes us all the way to God-realization. There was a movie that I saw with Steve Martin, and I no longer remember the name of it, and the movie itself isn't important. I mean, doesn't matter, because there was just this one scene in it. Steve Martin, of course, at least to my eye, is a great comedian, and I <coughs> I've always really enjoyed the way he presents himself. And in this movie, he was playing a, a, an aspiring Hollywood director who had his movie crew and you know, when Hollywood makes movies about Hollywood, they can be really, they can spoof themselves really well. And this was a really good spoof. And <clears throat> they were just a, a, a two-bit operation trying to break into the big time. But he was always trying to get his team all jazzed up about what they were going to accomplish. And so he was having this team meeting and everybody's there and he's talking about how we will do this and we will do that and we will do this and we will do that. And then in the same tone of voice, he says, and when I say we, I mean me, like that. <laughs> I, always, I always just love that. <laughs> you know, even though I'm talking about us working as a team and all these things that will happen, the only person I'm really concerned about is me. And so when I say we, I mean me. And that for me has become sort of a, excuse me, just a moment here. <clears throat> Swamiji had a had a habit that he trained us in that was really marvelous, which was he would often um, make make very good fun of wrong attitudes, so that when 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 nothing was at stake, when we were all just relaxed and enjoying ourselves, and and humor would come out of exaggerating things in in a negative way, just like that scene. And when I say we, I mean me which was a very true statement of what many directors actually feel, um, but it was presented humorously. So in our lives, oftentimes, Swami would, we would make fun of wrong attitude so that um, when the time came and you were tempted to do it seriously, you would also remember it as a joke. Uh, you know, oftentimes, especially devotee parents want their children to also love God as they love God. And children, of course, are spontaneously connected. Many children are spontaneously connected to a greater reality that uh, an intuitive, instinctive sense of, of the greater world, the, the living reality of the greater consciousness is often quite natural to children. And many of their perceived spiritual perceptions are genuine. And some of them are just a sentimental projection. 
by the adults around them who want, who hope that the child will adopt their own way of life. And I was remembering once such a moment when there was a child, she was probably about two. She had language, but not a lot of it, and she was still drinking out of either a bottle or a sippy cup, whatever, whatever it was. And she was sitting on her mother's lap, and she was, her mother had been playing chance, and so the little girl was singing, Lord, I am thine, I am thine, I am thine, in a little tiny voice with a little bit of a lift. Lord, I am thine, I am thine, I am thine. And then somebody came by with her bottle, and without missing a beat, same melody, oh, that is mine, that is mine, that is mine. And she grabbed it and took it to herself. Which became for a long time afterwards, you know, somebody would walk in with a birthday cake or a, you know, a cup of coffee or, you know, some beautiful bowl of cherries. Oh, that is mine, that is mine, that is mine. (laughs) Because that's, you know, this is how we often feel. This is what we're trying to do. It's the, the sense of putting ourselves first and thinking that the more I can assert myself, the stronger and the better I'll be. And it's, it's, a, it's a subtle process because on the way to becoming a devotee, which is the beginning of transcending that ego, we actually have to develop the ego. And I don't mean we have to develop egotism, which is to say self-importance, although that usually comes with it, but we have to develop a certain amount of independent personal strength. You know, in 1969, when I met Swamiji and made the decision that this was going to be my life, there was nothing in the context of my world to support that. I mean, yes, it was the 60s, and a lot of us were dropping out of what was expected of us, but it, it took a lot of... I never even thought about it as this, only in retrospect. Actually, it was when I was talking, it really came home to me when I was talking to a group of people in Bangalore, India, you know, in relatively recent, in the last 10 years, and I was talking about in meeting Swami, and a, a year and a half later, it took me that long to extricate myself from other things. I just left everything and moved to Ananda, and Ananda was not a well-established entity. It was just this kind of enclave out in the forest at that point. The future of Ananda, well, it didn't matter to me what the future was, but the future was not at all clear. And we we had very little money. We lived in extremely primitive conditions, which suited me just fine. I never thought of it as primitive. Having no indoor plumbing, having no electricity, it just, like, so what? I mean, those things were so trivial compared to what we did have. It was just didn't couldn't have mattered less to me than just leaving behind the possibility of university education or professional work or anything like that. None of it crossed my mind. I just, I knew where I was going and I went there. I'm talking to this uh, group in Bangalore and when I talked about just dropping everything and one of them said, of course, the Indian culture is still much more intergenerationally entwined than the American culture. It's not at all uncommon in the American culture for a a, a child, even at a young age, to just strike their own course and set out on their way. In India, there's much more uh, more, more, more involvement. So one of them said to me, what did your parents say? 
And then I said, I never asked them. <laughs> and it was just sort of like, you never asked them. And then I had to say, and it wouldn't have mattered. You know, I mean, this was all quite shocking. And in, you know, in the context, I realized it really was. But really, I believe if I had been born in India, I wouldn't have asked them and it wouldn't have mattered because I knew what I was doing. It's just simple as that. So in order to define yourself as completely separated from what everybody's expectations of you are, there has to be a very strong self-directed sense of my own reality. And that is necessary to bring you to the point where you can commit to this alternate reality, because you really are, we really are committing to this alternate reality. Now, to be fair, <laughs> we don't always realize what we're committing to. We, we don't um, understand the implications about, I remember joking with the group of women that I lived with. I lived in a monastic setting for my first 10 years with this wonderful group of women who are still my closest friends in the world. Um, we uh, uh, it's just sort of realizing what we'd gotten ourselves into. <laughs> you, know, you, you start with this really naive idea, as I, as I often joke about it, you see the beautiful island you know, out from shore, and you just throw yourself into the water and just start swimming like crazy. And you swim for a long time, and for some reason that island's a lot farther away than you thought it was, but you're too far from shore to turn back. And there's just like, you, you, then we, we jokingly said, you we stop together and sort of tread water and discuss our options. <laughs> but the only option we have is to go forward because we're committed. And whatever it takes at that point, this is what we're going to do. This is how the divine plays with us. I'm not complaining or even saying it's difficult. It's just a fact that only gradually as our consciousness expands do we realize what it means to really transcend the ego. Seems like a good idea at the beginning. But it's also a little confusing because this self-directed capacity is essential to get started and then we understand that there is well quite simply put there's a higher octave of self of which the ego is just really a shadowy reflection and it served us well it served us to get us to this point but that which has been our strength has now become our weakness and what we have to do is we have to take that individual sense of self and power and power, and integrate it into the ever-increasing um, ever awareness that I am a part of a greater reality, and that what satisfies my separate ego is not really the satisfaction I'm looking for now. It's, it's, it was fine while it was there, but then we move on to something else. What is appropriate for a four-year-old is not appropriate for a 10-year-old. What's appropriate for a 10-year-old is not appropriate for someone who's 25. Each of them is fine inherently when it is that stage, but by definition, we're moving past it. And all of our spiritual growth is that we're moving past it. So Swami, there's just in countless ways, we're always trying to understand what can I do to transcend this ego rather than to reinforce it? What can I do to um, affirm continuously <clears throat> that, <clears throat> that when I say we, I really mean we, I don't mean me, and that whatever is accomplished, let me always be aware of the fact 
that we're doing this together. In, in, on, on multiple occasions, in, in many different words, when Swami would receive accolades, which he would often receive, or, or be inundated with gratitude from the hundreds, increasingly tens of thousands of people who, whose lives were positively impacted by his. I remember in celebration of some uh, anniversary, I believe, of Ananda, or maybe it was Swami's own birthday, and there was a, just an outpouring of appreciation for all that Ananda was and all that Ananda had given to us of the opportunity to live for God and to live together and, and laying all of that gratitude at Swami's feet where it appropriately belonged. His, his, just his beautiful way of responding. We all did it together. And he was right. Of course we had. He may have been the prow of the ship, but we all did it together and we did. And he, he just, he wasn't like, it wasn't a technique. It wasn't like he was trying to get us to put out ever greater effort. It was his actual perception. We all did it together. We couldn't have done it without him, but he couldn't have done it without us. And it just, he said, not only will people appreciate your generosity, and it's the truth, it also then just makes it, makes oneself constantly really saying what's really going on here. What's really going on is that we are all part of a greater reality and we were, we're moving through this um, beautiful reality together. And we have the opportunity, you know, to be friends and to help each other. And it can become a, a conscious way of thinking whenever, um, whenever it, it, there's an opportunity to speak. Always think about the contribution of others, not merely the contribution of oneself. I, I have I had an interesting sort of way to play this out, and I've never really come to a perfect solution. Um, because I've been on the staff of the Sangha temple here, working over many decades now, several decades, to sort of make Ananda's work in this area strong. And many times we've had fundraising efforts and, you know, money has to be gathered from everyone. And I remember once we were in the midst of some fundraising effort, probably to pay off the mortgage on our temple or something like that. And some couple who'd been part of our, our sangha for many years said to me, did you get the money you needed to pay off the mortgage? And I appreciated their interest and they had contributed, but I thought to myself, when did it become my mortgage? <laughs> when did it become that they were giving money to me? But I realized how often the Sangha staff would thank the congregation for contributing. And I raised the thought that that's not really what we should be doing. Because that makes it seem like somehow because we have a full-time job, you know, being responsible, that we're doing it and they're helping us. But that's not true. And so I made an effort, and I don't know because I've not been involved for a long time, that it always should be, congratulations, everyone, look what we did. And who is thanking who? Unless you want to say the gurus, you know, on behalf of Babaji. But nonetheless, it should always be congratulations, felicitations even more. Just aren't we happy? And uh, it's it just, just it's, these are small things, but these are very important things to think about. Of course, my position as a fundraiser for a religious organization is unique, but especially in our situation where it, it, it's the people involved who are making it happen. I'm not 
writing to people across the world. It's it's the when in fact in our material we would say <clears throat> Ananda Palo Alto is not supported from some central office. Look around you in the temple. It's the people who are sitting next to you who are making it happen. It's it's us. And just that just that constant realization that it's always us. And it it it's not it is we, it's not me, until even that thought form just moves out of your thinking. That even if you're the prow of the ship, you have no sense of separation from the rest of the crew that's behind you. This is where both happiness and divine freedom can be found. So Swami says, give others credit where possible in the anecdotes you tell. Not only will they appreciate the inclusion, but your generosity will loosen the grip of your ego on yourself. Ego is the hidden cause behind all human suffering. Joy to you, my friends.